Hi, this is Brandon, and welcome to the Crucible of Thought podcast. I'm here to share things that interest me and things that I think the Lord has brought to my attention. And today's episode is titled, If We Really Are a Christian Nation. Okay, fine. Let's stipulate for the sake of debate that America is a Christian nation. Well, Christian means little Christs. And if that's the case, then it seems we Christians should be well known for doing the things that Jesus did and that he commanded his followers to do, such as see strangers and invite them in, see the hungry and feed them, see the unclothed and clothe them, see the sick and care for them, see the prisoners and visit them. And those are from Matthew 25, verses 35 through 36. And a few verses later, Jesus explicitly says that only if we faithfully do those things would he acknowledge knowing us. In Luke 19, 1 through 10, uh, how about breaking with religious tradition to give special grace to sinners? And in John 4 and in John 12, 1 through 8, giving special grace to women. And in Samaritans, in Luke 10, giving special grace to sick people and outsiders. How about scandalously violating religious system rules in the name of richly showing God's love? And that from Mark 3, verses 1 through 6, Matthew 12, verse 10, Luke 13, verses 10 through 17, or John 9, 16. How about being reconciled to our brothers in faith, even if we disagree with them? And that from Matthew 5, verses 23 through 26, and Matthew 18, 15. Or give to whoever asks of us, period, without questions about their fitness for that gift. And that's from Matthew 5, 42, and Luke 6, 30. When our political enemies or oppressive military compel us to walk a mile carrying their burdens, cheerfully walking a second mile, too, from Matthew 5, 41. Or from Matthew 5, 43-48, love our enemies, even those that despitefully use us and persecute us, praying that God would send the blessings of rain and sun on them. In Matthew 6, 19-21, don't lay up treasures for ourselves. Matthew 6, 1 through 4, give to the Lord privately, not ostentatiously. Matthew 7, 1 through 5, don't judge others. In Matthew 7, 12, do unto others that which we'd have them do to us. Matthew 10, 28, don't fear others that can only kill our body. Matthew 16, 6, beware the leaven of the religious system. Matthew 18, 10, despise not the little ones. Luke 14, 12 through 14, bring in the poor and the needy into our midst. Mark 12, 17, give back to the government the government's things. And in Matthew 26, 52, tell our followers to put away their swords and go peacefully with the authorities, even when we know that we'll be tortured to death within the day. That's all the stuff that Jesus told us to do, told his followers to do. But right now, there's just not that much love and justice and sacrifice going on in the church. Regarding charity and caring for the poor and the needy and the oppressed, many conservative Christians, and explicitly those who say that we're a Christian nation, disagree with the government doing all those things, saying that the church should do them and welfare and public health care should be cut or eliminated. But frankly, those things are not being done well by the church either. In fact, many Christians, despite objecting to welfare, assume that their taxes will nonetheless cover those needs, and then they proceed to fuss that their taxes are too high. 
or they give even if generously to their church, which in turn only uses about 10% or less of the money from American statistics and only about 1% for many megachurches for real missional giving, and just a fraction of that percent goes to local needs. And look, anything that looks like personal surrender or letting our, quote, rights be trampled in favor of showing sacrificial love or submitting to vaccination masking mandates or generally trusting God to defend us instead of defending ourselves, that's just not happening. People are prepared right now to go to civil war with their fellow countrymen, in many cases actually arming themselves for the conflict over their outrage over the fairness of elections or hatred for their political opponents. And even if the church isn't doing those things, well, it's not speaking out against them either. We can't have it both ways. If we're a Christian nation, we should be doing all the things Jesus said to do and demonstrating all the things he demonstrated, all of them. Otherwise, the peculiars of our founding and whatever Christian beliefs the founding fathers may have had are utterly irrelevant. Remember that the young United States of America established slavery in the Constitution, but nobody argues we're a slavery-based nation today. What we are now, how we've mutually chosen to act together, is infinitely more important today than how we started out 250 years ago. And right now, I challenge anyone to argue that we're a Christian nation in principle or practice. So the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. So what if the government, or worse, the church, isn't practically, helpfully, tangibly loving every one of those women and infants? So we have laws against racism. So what if people of color are routinely still killed and oppressed by the government itself, and the white church says, white lives matter, the police are doing their job? Well, it's blatantly obvious to those outside the church that those who call themselves the little Christs are just not doing what they say. And from thebaptistnews.com, an article writes, the majority of those in the first three categories, and that's those who are not engaged Christians, quote, said they view Christians' behaviors as a barrier to faith, with more than two-thirds of them saying Christians are known for saying one thing and doing another. A majority of respondents in those first three categories also said Christians care only about stopping abortions rather than caring for mothers and their children. So for much of my Christian upbringing, I was frequently warned not to pay attention to what the world says. Things like, well, they're liars, or they're antichrist, and they'll try and deceive you at every turn. But it's clear to me now that the world is very aware of the American church's shortcomings, and it's increasingly unwilling to ignore them. Perhaps in the mid-1900s, enough of the country was nominally Christian that it was unpopular to say such things about the church, but really no such filter exists today, and the world around us is quite willing to call out our hypocrisy. They don't mean it for good, to be sure. They're using it as an excuse to ignore God. But that doesn't mean that's false. In fact, I firmly believe that many of those calling out the bad behavior are honestly actually hoping to help others avoid being trapped in what they believe is a broken and deadly false system. They don't see that there's truth lurking underneath it, but they're absolutely right about their warnings. The church is truly broken in some very obvious ways. Now, looking at the entire Bible, in the totality of the Bible, God frequently used the Gentile nations to judge his people, and sometimes to utterly devastating effect. 
God didn't shy away from completely uprooting his people from their homelands to break their pride, bring a rod of correction. Babylon, for example, was a type of many things in the Bible, and many of them things to be avoided at all costs, but it's also a type of God's refining fire, used explicitly by God against a godless Jerusalem and Mount Zion. For example, read Isaiah 10, 5-6, which says, Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger, and the staff in whose hands is my indignation. I send it against a godless nation and commission it against the people of my fury. And in this case, Israel being that godless nation. In Jeremiah 51.20, to Babylon, he says, You are my war club, my weapon of war, and with you I shatter nations, and with you I destroy kingdoms. And in Jeremiah 25.8-9, it says, Therefore, this is what the Lord of armies says, Because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, declares the Lord, and I will send to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against its inhabitants and against all these surrounding nations. Maybe you can ask yourself then, how close are we to this today? It may give us a great feeling to believe that America is a city on a hill or a light to the nations, but those promises about a light and a hill were written to Israel, and even then, they were repeatedly uprooted from their homeland, the very people of God, from the very land that God explicitly gave them. He uprooted them for failing to live in righteousness and justice. And if God would do that to those that he very explicitly called his own, well, if you believe that America is a modern-day manifestation of Israel, well, be very keenly aware that God will not shy away from uprooting us for the very same failure. He's not bound to anything on America's behalf, and instead, I'd say, he's made it clear that his name will be honored on the earth, and he will not ignore sin forever, no matter whose it is. So I say this, if you want to call America a Christian nation, then you'd better follow all of Scripture about the topic, and be very humble and diligent to follow all the Lord's commands, not just the ones about prosperity and blessing. And you should be diligent to know all the prophecies about Israel and God's dealing with his holy people because you don't get the benefits without the sacrifices and chastisement that go along with them. God the Father is more than willing to bring correction rather than overlook corporate and communal sin because his often stated goal is a people after his own heart that accurately reflect his entire nature of goodness and righteousness and justice and love. Let's consider Galatians 6, 7 through 10, but with corporate Christian America as the target instead of you or me as an individual. And the word in Galatians 6, 7 for person, whatever a person sows, is anthropos, Strong's number 444. And that word can be an individual man or human being, but it's also often used to refer to mankind as a group or as a whole. And verses 9 and 10 emphasize the plural using the word we and us several times. So with this in mind, let's read Galatians 6, 7 through 10 as if it's spoken to America, not to us as Christians. And it says, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A nation reaps what it sows. The nation who sows to please its sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The nation who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us, let us, not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 
Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And anticipating a response, I don't think our national sins of homosexuality or abortion or cultural decline are the issue. God repeatedly addressed his people's failure to be just, how it treated the poor and oppressed and stranger and alien, in literally over a thousand verses in the New and the Old Testament, and nearly always addressed that at a national corporate level, not individual level, and repeatedly tying Israel's future to those specific issues. And finally, let's consider a couple things from Revelations. First, Revelations 3, 15 through 17, which was written to the corporate church in Laodicea, not to individuals, but to the church as a whole. It says, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And in Revelations 2, 4 through 5, to the church in Ephesus, and again, this is to the corporate church, not to individuals, it says, But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen, and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you, and I will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. God will not be mocked, either by us as individuals or by us as a nation. So if you think we're a Christian nation, then go ahead and own it. All of it. Every last verse of it. All right. Well, that's all for today. We'll talk again soon. Be blessed. <laughs>